0: just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N.com forward slash fm 24 You'll save a dollar on your next domain.
1: As artificial
2: intelligence continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation that we can't ignore. AI safety and security it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit hackerone.com slash AI dash safety dash security. Again, hackerone.com slash AI dash safety dash security. Welcome to the Rocketship Podcast. I'm Matt Goldman.
1: And I'm Joelle Steiniger. Today we talk with Flo Motlick, the co-founder and CTO of Codeship. Matt, what would you think about this one?
2: It was super timely for me and probably for anyone that's building out a dev team at an early stage startup. We learned all about how they've grown their team and managed to keep everyone focused along the way. We talked about you know points at which it makes sense to hire different management roles, um, how to keep everyone going down the right path and accountable. It was really great and if you're building a team, you're going to love it. We're so happy to have Customer.io supporting the show again. We use Customer.io for hook feed and we absolutely love the power it gives us. Customer.io is a data-driven email platform that helps you communicate better with your customers. The kicker is that their powerful rules-based targeting enables you to keep your messages human even as you automate them and scale. Go to customer.io slash rocketship to start sending emails that convert. So Flo, tell us about Codeship.
3: Yes. Uh, hey, and Thanks for having me. Um, so Codeship is a continuous uh, integration, continuous delivery service. We've been around for quite a while, um, have been, been working with many different companies and have, have learned a lot from them about their needs, about testing and, and deployment. And yeah, it's always fun to, to hear more stories, hear more needs that people have and, and help them to build better software and and basically be more productive. I think that's what we're really after. What we want is that software really touches every life, every company out there. Um, So we want people to be able to build better software faster,
2: really. So you guys have been, you started off in Techstars, we've interviewed some of the other founders, you guys were a sponsor of the show, and we use CodeShip for RocketShip and also HookFeed. What are some of the, the growing pains that you guys have had in the past year or so?
3: Totally. Yeah, yeah. So we, we've grown our team from eight people in last June to over 20 full-time employees now, and then I think another 10 freelancers now. Um, so just making sure that everybody's properly onboarded, that everything works out fine, every, everybody follows the same vision, follows the same um, trajectory that we take as a company, was just a, a lot of pain. And I think that's that's from organizational team stuff to technology how we make sure that when we add that many, a lot of the, those new hires were engineers, like how can we get them in and get them started um, as quickly as possible. Um, all that kind of stuff was really an interesting challenge, or is, is still an interesting challenge, I think for many teams out there, um, and, and, and definitely was one for us.
2: So you mentioned that you have a lot of freelancers that you're working with. Is that the, the typical onboarding? Do you start off with sample projects and then move towards a full-time hire?
3: Uh, not necessarily um that well, that can happen um it's not necessarily uh, in that way, I think some of the freelancers are engineers, some are like in other areas where we don't want to hire full time right now um and and we definitely hope to hire some of them full time in the longer term. I think it's also sometimes when we have a specific need of like um we need to get this done very quickly um and we know somebody like some real stuff or some like front end stuff where we just need a short term um a person to, on there. Um, that's where we like talk to friends, talk to people that we've worked with in the past um, who are great freelancers um, to to get them into the project, um, get them them going, get us um, get a couple of, of things done quickly, and and then walk separate ways for a while, and then maybe a couple of months later do something else. And I think it's also something where because we can build the connection um, to to the freelancers that that over time we're able to just to pull them in um, longer term. I think a lot of freelancers really like being freelancers. And it, it, it takes a while to convince them that, that it actually makes sense to join another company. And I think that's also something that we're definitely thinking about and, and, and want to do
2: and work with them. So when it comes to making full-time hires, uh, you talked about the, the difficulty of onboarding people into the team and into you know, Codeship's way of thinking. How did you guys develop a process around that when you didn't have experience before this with hiring?
3: Yeah, totally. I think that, I mean, one of the key things that we did in general to get that experience into the team was hiring our VP of engineering in the fall of of, of last year. So that certainly helped. Uh, But in general, like, what we try to do with our onboarding, specifically on the engineering side, and and, and, I mean, obviously that's where where our product itself comes in for us um, as well, is really have every process nailed down so that when a new person comes in, they don't have to know all the details and intricacies of every process that we have. Because that's well hidden behind a service, a tool or something else that they can come on board, get productive very quickly, and then over time can learn um, whatever they, they need to learn on, on that specific part of the infrastructure so that they I don't know can like on their first day deploy new changes to their DNS or to our main application or to to whatever, uh, basically without having to really think about like how does that work in the backend. Or, or with any other service, like how does support work? Like that they can just very easily get into uh, intercom and, and, and do support work and all this kind of stuff um, to get really started very quickly. And we, we thought a lot about like, what the right onboarding process is there. And, and we just onboarded a new um, engineer, for example, who works for us in, in Austin. And, and he was really happy with the onboarding process because we really, like we have, <laughs> we have long checklists for everything to make sure that on day one, like everything is done And and he is able to be productive um, as as quickly as possible because I think the onboarding process really defines um, the success of that person in the team because if you if you don't nail the onboarding process and you don't have everything set uh, on on day one, um, they are not really that happy um, and also their teammates feel that that person might not be as productive. So like the immediate feeling in the beginning is for that person is they feel kind of frustrated and the other team members feel like that person isn't getting enough done, or isn't get, getting as much done as we expect that person to be, what the real problem is, though, that the process aren't good enough, that just is a lot of pain um, if you don't invest. And I've seen many teams that, that just didn't invest enough time to like, how to think that through, like what the onboarding process is, like how to add to services, make sure they have access to everything, where it's more an ad hoc process, and that's just really, really painful. And I've, I've gone through that myself in the past, and it's just really painful and frustrating Um, If you have to go through that um, without feeling that like somebody really sat down and really thought this through um, very carefully.
1: Totally. And it's hard to put yourself in the shoes of a new person when you're so deep in the company. But when you think about what it feels like for them coming in, um, it really kind of puts it all in perspective of what you would want and expect out of a company when you're coming on.
3: Yes, definitely. I think that's something that, that, that we've started to do and that really helped us as well is really make it very clear to to the people that, that join us that, like, the onboarding process is also something that they have to feedback. Like, that's mm-hmm. the first feedback task that they have in their job, is, like, give us feedback on day one, like, immediately on the onboarding process. Like, what can we do better? Which information would you need? What is frustrating? What didn't get as fast? And, like, really ask them the whole time until they, like, kind of get annoyed by all these questions of, like, how can we improve this? Because I think it's also, it, it sets the the example of how we want to be as a company, where, like, Everything, like you should rethink things, you should rethink processes. And then, like, if that starts, like that example I said with the onboarding process on, on day one, basically, um, I think that that sets a great example of, of how we want to operate in the longer term.
1: Yeah, totally. Um, so, you talk a lot about productivity, specifically within the engineering team. Can you get some specific on maybe some of the unique challenges that you face or what you? even mean by, you know, staying productive in some of the things that you're trying to solve? Sure.
3: Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, so I think um, we're now at a time where basically, I mean, software touches everything or software also, I mean, as, as the, the, the the saying there, um, software eats the world. And I mean, from Netflix to Amazon to Uber and, and all the other small companies. Um, so software really has to be done by every company and, and, and most companies at some point will have a very strong software aspect, even if the software itself isn't their product. So that's something that just, we will have to do a lot more and a lot better software in the future. On the other side, um, and I think that pretty much every company um, experiences that, it's really, really hard to hire great software engineers um, and, and to really get the best people um, and and really be able to like build all the software that we need to build. So... On the one hand, we need a lot more of them. there just aren't enough for for many different reasons um One among them is not a lot of diversity um in in the the ecosystem as well um, and then also like there's so many smaller teams uh challenging like the little bigger startups now um that like there's so much competition in in every field like in in every company now because everybody can do a lot more with 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 software today um that it's, it's, it's really hard to get everything done when you don't have the, the right amount of people and enough people. And so I think that's where you really have to get the most out of your team, the most out of your, especially developers, because they're especially hard to find, and really make sure that they can focus on building your product um, first and foremost. They, they They shouldn't have to focus on any kind of um, like site infrastructure or like in in our case test infrastructure but there's many other examples like um, maintaining their own like project management system. Like that's just something there's so many systems out there in the world that can do that for you and all these other like small things that just take a lot of time away from your your engineering team especially in like smaller engineering teams where like the software development and the IT team um, is kind of still the same and the software team also manages some of the like maybe WordPress or something like that. And that's just a huge, huge waste of time. And I think focusing on productivity there, getting processes in place, getting yeah, continuous integration and, and deployment in place, and just really making sure that even in your production infrastructure, you have something where that you can exchange all the time immediately. Docker is a really interesting technology there. Um, building an immutable infrastructure um, that allows you to automate a lot of your um, systems, a lot of your infrastructure as well. I think that's, that's a lot of points that, that I've been talking about um, in the past and, and many have. And I think that are really, really needed um, to be able to compete in the market. Because as, I like the model that, that, that Netflix basically has, is that speed wins the marketplace. And like, if they build, like, they'd they rather build something fast and try it, than try to be perfect. And I think that works from a small scale to a very large scale. Um, and, and really needs to happen um, for many different teams.
1: So do you got, have a way of kind of measuring productivity, or um, you know you, you mentioned before you're always looking for ways to improve things and improve your processes. So do you have a way of kind of you know keeping your finger on the pulse of how the team is doing and, and where there's opportunities for them to do better?
3: Um, yeah, so I think it's it's really hard in some ways to measure like to have an exact number. Um, of Of the productivity there, I think that's um, on the one hand giving everybody on the team the ability and and, and like being open to them to, to to rethink like all the processes that we have and and also when there's any kind of pain point, I think that if anybody on the team feels like that's not really productive enough or like that feels kind of strange or wrong, um, to be able to immediately go up to like, other people in the team, bring it up, be able to bring new tools and new systems and new services in and 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 just try it. And then also really thinking about all the, the steps, all the work, um, all the stuff um, and that people need to do. And just look if there's a service out there, like somebody else that you can give money to to do that without you having to do it. I think that's, that's some of the, the shortcut. Like the, the best way to optimize a task is to let somebody else do it. And, and I think that's something that we, we really, especially in a startup, uh, that we really think is very, very important. And, and, and many startups don't take enough advantage um, I think of that in, and, and we certainly did uh, fell into the same trap in the beginning where we optimized some of our infrastructure we optimized some of the things um, just for being as, as cheap as possible but that then, then really takes a lot of time um, away from from your product from your work and I think then when really going over and so weekly one-on-ones are something that I like a lot there because you really have to talk through like okay what have I been doing the last Week, like what, what were my, my results, what I have been getting um, at. And if, if it seems like there was a lot of stuff that happened that wasn't really meaningful and that didn't really do any kind of, um, ha- didn't have a huge impact, um, I think that really shows that you need to further analyze like where are you spending your time and, and can we just let somebody else do that? that? And it's probably much cheaper if just somebody else or some other service that can scale to many thousands of people
2: does this for you. And you do those every week with everyone? Um, yeah,
3: so basically everybody does one on one with their manager um, once a week. And, and then, then I additionally also do like with different, um, like marketing lead or like other people, one on one regularly just to talk about um, our progress together, like how we can work together as well. But yeah, every engineer talks to, to Jim, our VP of engineering, um, once a week. At least, and then everybody who reports to more CO, for example, has a one-on-one each week, and I think that really helps with also especially self-assessment. I think it's it's less of a thing where like the manager should tell them like you didn't get enough done, but I think it's a lot about self-assessment and having this like we use a lot of one um, what's it called Um, where you put your tasks in um, each day and uh, uh, I done this. We use a lot of I done this where you also put in like what have you been accomplishing um, all day. Um, just to really like be able to self assess like where do I spend my time and and what do I do all day and and where can I get more productive or what can I let somebody else or outsource to somebody else um do? I think that really helps and and also engineers because I think it's so easy as an engineer um, to just get down a rabbit hole and just lose track of time for a while and then be stuck on something that actually isn't that big of an issue anyway for for, for the team or the product, or maybe there's another way or another service or like basically being able to kind of throw money at the problem. Um, and I think, but it's too easy to see everything as an engineering challenge. And so I think that's definitely something where, where I, and, and and we really try to help each other and and give each other feedback then that if we see somebody getting stuck on, on, I done this on the same task day after day, um, to, to ask and help them, like, okay, is there some, some other solution? Is there something where we can outsource it somewhere or like a much simpler way that we don't have to spend that much time um, on this? Or is this really like a huge core product challenge that we need to solve um,
2: right now? So I done this keeps everyone on track daily. The one-on-ones keep everyone on track weekly. How do you guys set the bigger picture vision and strategy and communicate that with the team to make sure that you're staying on track?
3: Yeah, so we we really like uh, like team buildings on a, like, uh, twice a year. Um, that's really for the longer-term um, view of, like, where where do we want to go and have everybody in the room. Um, and then in, in the different teams, so, for example, the, the engineering team has a call every three weeks where we just talk about, like, our engineering processes, um, what we can improve there, new things that we should try, new processes that we should try, um, so that everybody is able to get in Like, what's the vision for, like, how we work as an engineering team? Um, And then we have regularly, basically, when we, for, like, the new product, for example, that we are are currently, that we have in beta um, and and the new infrastructure, um, we did um, every couple of weeks, basically, where um, the the team came together um, and, and discussed, like, next steps, what is necessary and what we need to do around that. But, yeah, especially those team buildings where we really talk less about just the product but really also how we work together really well and, and, and set us up for the next steps for growth. I think that's something that we did uh, in the summer of last year, like right before we hired a lot more people. Um, that really helped us a lot um, to to onboard everybody after that. And and the same with the team building this February um, that really helped us um, with a new product and really discuss the direction that we need to go and and, and why it's important and get everybody on the same page.
2: So hopefully this is, you know, relatively fresh in your mind, but you've grown the team a lot over the past couple of years. If you could look back to when it was just a few developers or you know one or two developers, if you were doing this again, would you do it the same way in terms of uh, structure on the development team?
3: Mm, I th- no. <laughs> I mean, there's 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 many many different lessons lessons learned. I think I think one of the the, the main things that I understand a lot better now um, is how Valuable an hour of time is compared to a little bit of money. I think that's something that especially in the beginning we've put so much time in just optimizing for very small amounts of money that that we could all easily cover Um, and we spend so much time instead of focusing on the product and like product and like getting it out there um, to customers really. Um, I think a lot of in the beginning we should have done more automation I think um, so we, we've done quite a bit. I mean, since um, since like our product is basically automation for, for build and for developers, um, I think we were, um, we've were we gotten pretty far on that. But I think we could have done even more, um, especially around automating um, your infrastructure that it heals itself, basically. Checking for specific variables in your infrastructure and making sure that if those occur, just kill that part of the infrastructure and replace it with something new. Because then you can actually... Stop thinking about these parts. Um, And I think that's something where I want the development team to be as focused on the product itself and not on anything else. And the more people, the more they have to think about, like, is this thing working? Is it not working? Um, Might something be failing? Uh, Might we have something that we don't really know anything about? So really making sure that from the beginning we have enough uh, metrics in place, enough operations um, and, and, and just enough automation that we don't have to think about that at all and, and we don't have to spend any cycles on this at all anymore. I think, And, and, and bringing that into the team from the beginning instead of the, setting that expectation earlier that like, we want to automate absolutely everything away um, just so we can really focus on the product and really focus on making sure we build the best thing instead of having to worry about some of the other things that come with software. Um, I think that would be a, a, huge, a huge difference um, from the beginning. I think then also in terms of structure, I think the one-on-one structure, we've uh, implemented it a little later. Um, I think I would have done those a lot earlier um, now and really just sit down with the people and discuss, like, what are their problems and and where do they want to go. Um, we've completely stopped doing any stand-ups um, about s- six or nine months ago. Um, which is I think a very good thing um, so we've we 're using I done this now, and for some projects like the new infrastructure we 're building we 're doing like a, a weekly stand up between like marketing uh, product engineering and and other different parts, and where it 's all about um, what are you going to work on next and what are what are you blocked by I think that 's something that 's a very different format than than what we 've used for stand ups, and I think most people use for stand ups. Um, as well, where it's a lot about like what have you gotten done over like the last week or the last day or something, which we kept just capture in "I done this," and everybody can read it in "I done this." But it's not really that interesting what has happened. The more interesting part is what's going to happen. What is the next thing that you're working on, and and what are the problems? And I've I found this format to be very quick and very painless and and incredibly helpful. So that's something that one of our engineers brought in a couple of months ago, um, and and I found it to be very nice um, a lot better than the typical stand up format of like tell us what you've done the last couple of days and because then that often ends with some half of the team already knows that this happened half of the team doesn't know but doesn't really care and but having that stored in, in i done this we can look it up anyway and people get an email every day anyway and, and I can take a look at that
2: so looking at specifically development and setting ops aside, uh, how do you know the times when you need to add a layer of management to the team? You know, let's say you get to, to three developers. Um, mm-hmm. What do you start to notice where you need either a senior developer or if you need to you know, make the jump and pull in a VP or C-level? Um, how do you know when you need those things?
3: Yeah, I think especially if you, if you plan to grow your team a lot, over time so I think there is if you have a team that that can slow grow very slowly and so they get to know each other and you know like the same three people are going to work for the same year um, that's you maybe don't need a lead like maybe it just works out and they can report to to CTO or or CEO directly depending on um, how that works but I think as soon as you're setting yourself up for fast growth getting some leadership early and maybe over having too much leadership or like potentially too much leadership uh, people in the team um, early makes sense definitely did for us because that really prepares you for all that is going to happen as soon as you hire a lot more people i think if you plan to hire a lot um, in the future just get some of that leadership uh, in place and get some of the people that that know how to lead people in place early um, i think at least made for us a lot of sense and made growing a lot easier um, with with just experienced um, people on that and i think in 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 general, um, once communication really um, becomes an issue, where um, things aren't clear anymore, people are not really aware throughout the company, like what's going to happen, because the, the the engineering team itself has the feeling they don't really know who the one person is that they should be talking to. I think that as soon as that happens, and like some of them talk to a CEO more, some of them talk to the CTO more. Um, then, then that really becomes a, a strong issue. And, and in many cases, like for example with us, is where like me and Mo are very outward facing in many ways. Um, and, and so that's where we, we saw the need for somebody who really can, can take care and take charge of the whole team um, early on. And, and I think also. Yeah?
2: When you have a, a VP and a CTO, what is the role of the CTO? What does it become? Is it more a product role, or, or do you have someone else that's focused on, you know, product strategy, and then development executes on that?
3: Yeah. So for us, it's 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 very much, and for my role specifically, it's very much a mix of marketing, sales, product, engineering. Although not a direct engineering role, I think it's where I see the role of, of CTO going. Um, if you're not leading the engineering team specifically, is more basically supporting all other different functions um, of, of the company like you're supporting the so the product guy like in our case that's that's Alex with just information about like where's the infrastructure uh, like where's our internal infrastructure going but also like where's the whole ecosystem going like what's the new things that are coming up like the whole docker inf- like whole docker um, ecosystem and and what's developing there and then like on the marketing side like you help them with content you help them with like ideas or reviewing um, ideas for like how to attract um, new customers, and then on a the sales side, like you meet especially as a developer product, like I just meet with a lot of teams um, and talk about their problems, talk about their issues, um, talk how CodeShip can help them um, with their specifics. Um, on on the engineering side, like talking with with um, Jim about like uh, engineering strategy, hiring. Um, processes that we need to do or should change in the future. Just so, like he has a sounding board as well um, that isn't directly in the team. So I think that and 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 yeah, with more same thing with more um, as a CEO, like a lot of discussions around funding, marketing, um, company direction, company culture. I think that you're you're at least from what I've seen and I've talked to a couple of other CTOs who've gone through the same thing where. It's really like you're supporting all different functions of the team and like at some point there will be a VP of sales and then you have to do less sales and it's, it's like somebody else takes over that role. I think you're, you're moving out of those different roles um, over time but, but until then you're just helping to fill the holes basically that are there in, in, in the company until those, those holes can be filled.
2: That's great. It's great to learn about. Um, just to wrap up, Docker is something new that I haven't had time to really dig into and learn about. Um, Can you tell us a bit about what it is and what Codeship is working on with it?
3: Yeah, sure. So um, generally, Docker is a container management um, software, container management. What that that basically means is that it gives you very fast and cheap virtualization. Um, and, and, And that means that you can run, basically get the most out of your server. So if you take a server, and you run one application on it, um, it might just need only like 30% of of that server. So you you don't use the whole thing. And that's where like about 10 years ago, Google built um, containers where you can basically say, okay, instead of running one application on that server, I run three applications and I isolate them in separate containers, which means I can now get to like 100% utilization of the server um, without the different applications impacting each other, or they can be totally different, like, languages or like completely different in many ways have different dependencies. So that was basically as an idea behind utilizing as much of your resources as possible. And in the past, it was really only available to like the sizes of Google or Facebook who all run on, on that kind of infrastructure. But talk, Docker took um, the container technology and just made it very easily accessible to any kind of size team. And so what Docker provides now is a very easy format to package your application and, and run it isolated in um, on different servers, different infrastructures. And, and a lot of hosting providers have picked up on that and support this kind of Docker packaging format. So you can build a Docker container um, somewhere on your local machine or on, on, on CodeShip in the future, and then, then push it out into many different providers, into Amazon, and, and and run it there. And the nice thing, since Docker like the same Docker runs on my local uh, development machine and runs in CI and runs in production, you have like something that that very much resembles each other, um, running on all of these systems. So you have like because this this cheap virtualization layer makes it possible for you to run um, the same thing across all those instances. You can build something on your local developer machine and you can push it into production, and you can trust that it's exactly the same thing that you've built built locally. And now they're they're building a lot of different tools in that whole ecosystem, spilling a lot of different tools how to make uh, Docker and and containers easier to deploy and easier to manage. And yeah, what what we've built and what we've been working on over the last couple of of months is really a way to use uh, containers and and Docker specifically um, to make it easier for you to set up a complex test infrastructure. So yeah, Kojip is, um, we do continuous integration um, as a service. So basically we run all of your build for you and we want you to be able to be as specific as possible in how you set up your test infrastructure And with a cheap virtualization layer um, that Docker provides, um, basically you just give us a config file that says use this language or this version of the language here as a base image and then use this exact version of Postgres and this exact version of MongoDB and this other version of this other tool um, for setting up the test infrastructure. We just stand that up for you and and then run your tests against that. And, And the nice thing there is that going forward, it, you can be very specific about like that you have the same versions in test as in production. And you can also then, because we give you a tool, that you can run the same build on your uh, developer machine, you can run the same build on your local, as a local developer, on your local machine, um, as you would run on our service, which means that you can really trust whatever build and whatever test infrastructure you're running, um, that it's the same locally, it's the same on our service, and it's the same in production. So you can be sure that whatever you build and whatever you test is really going to work out um, in, in, in production very well.
2: That's awesome. Uh, well, thanks so much for coming on. Can you let everyone know where they can keep up with you and CodeShip online?
3: Yes. So um, you can just check out my, my Twitter at, at Florian Motlik um, and follow us on CodeShip at, at CodeShip and, and yeah, check out CodeShip at, at com.
2: Perfect. Thanks so much. Thanks, Flo. Thank you.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Rocketship Podcast. If you enjoyed it, we have tons of other awesome episodes on our website. Check them out, Rocketship.fm.
0: And be sure to check out our app discount section where we have discounts on products that we use every day like WooThemes, Wistia, Treehouse. Go to Rocketship.fm forward slash essentials and get your discounts today.